0: Good morning. Good morning. Hi. How are you all? It's lovely to see you all. Hi to anybody uh, worshiping with us online. It's nice to have you here. All right. So before we dismiss our kids, I do want to recognize that today is Mother's Day. And and while for some it's a day full of smiles and, and warmth for others... Maybe not. So, to all who nurture and love and support, mentor, anticipate new life, rejoice, maybe grieve or mourn. And so many more. We celebrate you today. We appreciate you. We anticipate and rejoice with you. We grieve and mourn with you. We see you. We need you. And we thank God for the gift that is you. So happy Mother's Day. Amen? Amen. Amen. With that, let's dismiss our kids to Revolution Kids Church. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Mama. Let's see if this Yes, it works. That's one thing working today. All right. All right. That last song. Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. I love that song. This is my story. This is my song. That's fantastic news, isn't it? My story. My song. That's how we're going to start today. So, from a very young age, very young, yeah, that's me, curly hair and all. That's not my robe. That belongs to a very tall man who will be back in the back in a second. So my story, my song, I grew up in church. It's kind of the family business, you might say. From that very young age, I felt most comfortable in a church. We moved around churches a lot, so it didn't really matter which one. But the songs and the stories and the rituals all made me feel at peace. And I kind of always felt like that's what I was going to grow up doing and do for the rest of my life. But as I got older, now my faith in God never waned, never stopped. I might have had questions, or, but it never left. However, my shame from the choices I made or the mistakes that I made uh, convinced me that that feeling of possibly being called by God was more my desire and not God's will. Well, spoiler alert, God's will is a lot more persistent than shame. Praise God. Eight years ago, I was invited to come and see this church revolution by some friends who they're no longer here. They've moved on to another church. But they said, come and see. And I did. And my encounter with this community here changed my life because of my renewed relationship with Jesus and the love and support that I receive from this church here this fall I will celebrate 8 years of sobriety thank you and also also this fall I'll be starting seminary and working on my Masters of Divinity so thank you Both sobriety and seminary are things that I wanted for a long time, but not sure that I would have been able to even dream of accomplishing without that invitation to come and see what revolution was all about. So come and see simple words that have an undeniable impact on someone's life. So before we get into today's scripture, there's a few things I want to mention. First of all, it's long. It's 42 verses. You're welcome. (laughs) The conversation that it covers is the longest recorded conversation between Jesus and anyone in the New Testament. Now, it's the first time in the Gospel of John that Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah, and the woman that he reveals this to and has this conversation with becomes the first evangelist, immediately running and telling her story, her song, to her whole town. So I invite you to either follow along on the screens with your Bibles, or just perhaps take a moment and listen to a story. Let's see, here we go. Like I said, it is long, so bear with me. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask me, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city, and she said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city, and they were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do not say, Do you not say, four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days and many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer just because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. Thanks be to God. Right? So, there's a few things about that very important story. There's a lot going on, and we're not going to even get close to touching half of it. But there are a few important things that I want to point out. First, I want to talk about what this passage does not say and what it is not about. Gail O'Day writes, the reason for the woman's marital history intrigue commentators but do not seem to concern Jesus. Nor does Jesus pass moral judgment on the woman. All such judgments are imported into the text by the interpreters. He's not condemning her for her past. There's no proclamation of forgiveness for her morals. There's no exclamation of judgment for her assumed sin. Yet, in church, she is continually blamed for her plight and charged with behavior for which there is no textual or historical proof. In ancient Palestine where this woman lived to have been married 5 times would be evidence of circumstances way beyond the control of any woman so if we can approach this story without these perceived notions about the woman we can see that she plays a powerful role in the story as a model of encountering Jesus and sharing your story can we can we imagine that today the writer of this gospel, John, has not placed before us a tale of morality, but rather is offering this woman as a striking and inspiring example of faith. Now, we don't know why she was there at noon. It's the hottest part of the day. Most of the ladies would have come in the morning. But maybe it's kind of like when my oldest daughter, Olive, was little, and I wanted to take her to the playground but I would go in those off hours because I wanted her to be able to play and have fun, but I didn't want to run into those moms. You know, maybe those moms that I very much wanted to avoid because I felt like I might never belong to their club. So better to avoid them. Maybe the Samaritan woman wanted to fill her jar, but also very much wanted to avoid those women. She had a past. We all do. So maybe, perhaps she just didn't want to be seen. And for her, it was worth the heat and the sweat to not be seen. Because sometimes being seen is just too painful, even if maybe it's what we really want. So the difficulty with the all-too-regular interpretations and implied importance of her past or her sin is that it interrupts and distracts from the rest of the story. There's a lot of important things to take out of here. Theologian Barbara Brown Taylor points out, Jesus's dialogue with the woman at the well is his longest recorded conversation in the New Testament. He talks to the Samaritan woman longer than he talks to his 12 disciples, his accusers, or even his family members. Now, we know Jesus was human. He said more words than are recorded in this book, but these are important words. So they're in here for a reason. And moreover, she is the first person and the first ethnic and religious outsider to whom Jesus reveals his identity as the Messiah in John's gospel. And she is the first believer in any of the gospels to straight away go and evangelize to her whole city. Those people that she went out of her way and suffered to avoid, she learns this good news, and the first people she wants to run to are them. Now, I like this lady. I like her a lot. So now, on to what this story does tell us. The first part of this story reminds us that the conflict is a common thread in Jesus' ministry. The Pharisees are upset about his baptizing. We don't really know what. That's a little unclear. But we do see that this issue in the ways that Jesus will become increasingly intolerable in the eyes of Jewish leaders, it's here. It starts. probably doesn't start, but it's going to continue. Next it goes on and it says the words, and I love this thought, had to go through Samaria. I just don't think Jesus had to do much. I think he chose to do. Because now whether geographically is a pretty straight shot from Judea to Galilee. This is right in the middle. But if you didn't know, the Jews and the Samaritans, to put it, Bluntly, hated each other's guts. Hatfields, McCoys, worse than that. At best, they avoided each other. At worst, they beat, killed. So the Jewish people would go out of their way to avoid them. So Samaria would not have been on the disciples' radar at all as a place for Jesus to go and share this message. So this is different. This is really different. Now, we, today, know that following Jesus means, well, you got to get used to different. You do. You have to. So on in the story, the thing that really struck me, he has this conversation, which would have been forbidden. She's probably thinking, this crazy Jewish man needs to learn some manners. But there's something about him. She doesn't run away. She doesn't immediately give in to his request for water she engages him and when she engages him and he talks about this water that gushes up to eternal life and she says give me this water so that i may not thirst now we don't know if she really thinks that he's got this like replenishing water jug or if she kind of is getting the hint doesn't quite know but what he does he responds and he goes straight for her wound She says, give me this little living water, and he says, go get your husband. Now, he wasn't avoiding the subject. I don't think he was trying to be mean. He was avoiding denial. I think he might have been asking her, do you want to stop quenching? I'm going to back up. He wasn't just asking her. He's asking us, do you want to stop quenching your thirst with things that will never satisfy you? You want this eternal life and it starts with being seen. It starts with the truth, the naked truth of that original wound and your original beauty and every good and bad thing about you. You can take that shame and throw it out. You know, water, if you pour water in something, it's going to find the lowest point to settle. Well, there we go. We're getting there. There we go. Living water will find your lowest point. If you will accept that living water from Christ, it's going to find that thing, that original wound, that thing that you spend so much energy trying to heal in other ways, all insufficient ways, whether they be relationships, religion, success, more degrees, more therapy, not a bad thing. Working out, trying to get society to love you more. There are a million ways that we try to substitute the love of Jesus and try to make sure that our damage is not seen. I want to point out this water, this picture, that's the Sea of Galilee, right outside of Capernaum. I picked this. I don't have a picture of Jacob as well. I looked some up, and it's... Surrounded by a church, doesn't give you the same feeling. But this water, this water, I like to think, Jesus touched it. He did lots of things in and around this water. So for me, I look at it, and I'm like, oh. I know Debbie's with me. <laughs> there's, there's part of your heart back there. It's beautiful. I wanted to share that part. So immediately after Jesus describes her past, sees her, recognizes all of that. She says, I see that you are a prophet. And then she asks him, where should we worship? What is the right place to worship? Now, back if you believed these bad things about her past, or if you focused on that, you might think she's really trying to change the subject. She's kind of tired of talking about this stuff, and she would rather move on. Well, actually... If you can imagine a different scenario, things look different. And when she says, I see that you are a prophet, she's not changing the subject. She's confessing her faith. And Jesus' reply is not, stop changing the subject. Jesus' reply to her faith in a coming Messiah, I am. This lady went to the well to avoid people so she won't be judged or scorned or despised. And there, waiting for her, is the light of the world, the Messiah. And he reveals himself to her. We've heard those words a lot the Old Testament, the New Testament. I am the light of the world. The great I am. The I am statements are direct claims of who Jesus really is. And here, right here, we have God revealing God's self with the same name that he used with Moses back in Exodus 3.14. The same words, but in a different and unique way. Remarkably, Jesus reveals the entirety of who he is in all of its intimacy, vulnerability, and awe to her. It's different. And when Jesus probably shocks her with an answer that simultaneously has been more hopeful and confusing than she ever expected, she leaves her water jug and she runs to tell her neighbors about this man it says then the woman left her jar now I could write a lot of teachings on just that sentence alone but we'll leave that for another time she left to go back to the town and tell of her encounter with this Jesus I like to think of her today blessed assurance Jesus is mine this is my story this is my song. Come and see. Come and see. He can't be the Messiah, can't, can he? Now, please, don't hear that with she didn't believe. She is shocked. And I love. She shares her story without having complete certainty. There's an undeniable promise in her uncertainty. Uncertainty. To be a disciple or a witness of Jesus, my friends, does not demand full and complete knowledge or conviction. We're not meant to fully understand the mystery, which is Christ. What God has done and is doing is supposed to be a head-scratcher. Otherwise, the awesomeness of God, creator of the universe, becoming human if we take that for granted and don't recognize the confusing part of that then that act can be turned into a most ordinary understandable and expected thing I don't think that's fair I think we have to give full respect to the fact that this made no sense this is a little crazy and I can't imagine I don't know about you all, but I can't imagine sitting here before I was sober and the guy sitting next to me turning around and saying, I'm God. And me not going, What? What? So she runs. She runs to her city. She leaves behind her ostracism, her marginalization, her loneliness, because Jesus has invited her into his fold. She leaves behind her disgrace, the disrespect that she has endured to enter into a new reality and a new life. She shares her story and invites people to come and see, and they do. And because not only did she believe, but she believed and she knew it's our responsibility to share that. You have to share your story. They do. And many Samaritans believed because of her testimony. So today, I am that woman at the well. And I invite you to be the woman at the well. That someone that maybe has things in your past that you don't want to share. Your story might be full of pain and shame. But now that you have encountered the light of the world, you have no choice but to go and share. You have to share your story, your song, because blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Why would we not share our story? So, yeah, I invite you. Be that woman at the will. Share your story. Share your song so that others can come and see. Amen. Let's pray. Oh blessed Redeemer, we thank you. We thank you for this the opportunity to come here and to figure out what our story is, God. And that you being a part of that story makes it worth sharing. Our story, our song, our reason. God, give us the strength and the courage to recognize our story and share it with the world because it's needed, Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to be here. Thank you for these people. And I thank you for the grace and the freedom that comes from encountering you. Jesus, we love you. We give you all the praise and worship we have. Amen. Thank you so much for being in worship with us this morning, whether you've been here in person or online. Uh, One just update, at the end of the Derby Festival, uh, our Go Mission partner, many of us, uh, many of you guys were there serving throughout the week. They just smashed their record, sold nearly $2 million worth.